Hey everyone, welcome to the newsroom. I'm Owen Poindexter, senior writer with Front Office Sports. The World Cup is starting on November 20th, and the World Cup, I think, is generally a truly just unique moment in the global sporting world where billions of people watch this one tournament of the world's favorite game, and it's usually the most powerful thing in sports in the entire world. I think it's pretty easy to make that case, more so than the Olympics, more so than the Super Bowl, um, more so than anything. The, the World Cup is like nothing else in the world. And this World Cup, which is hosted by Qatar, is, has been a disaster for reasons that we're going to try to get into as many as we can in, in this episode. But and it's really making people think about FIFA, the soccer's global governing body, uh, what kinds of countries should be hosting the World Cup, should there be standards around just how those countries treat other people. So a lot of thorny, really interesting issues are coming up around this, not always for the best reasons, but maybe something good can come out of it. So we'll be getting into all of that right after this. Two thousand, two thousand eight, twenty twenty two. When it comes to the economy, those are some scary years. Dot com crash, housing crash, and the roller coaster we're going through right now. One thing is certain: it's a dangerous time to not know your numbers. But over thirty one thousand businesses have the confidence and clarity they need because they rely on Netsuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. Netsuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting, so you can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. So how do you prepare for uncertain times? The answer, NetSuite. NetSuite helps you identify rising costs, automate your business processes, and easily see where to save money. That's why 93% of customers say they improve their visibility and control when they upgraded to NetSuite. What are you waiting for? Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash the newsroom right now. netsuite.com slash the newsroom. netsuite.com slash the newsroom. All right, let's get into it. Uh, we've got a lot of thorny issues to untangle today, and I'm thankful to have my two colleagues, uh, uh, Doug Greenberg, writer at FOS. Welcome, Doug. Thanks, Owen. Uh, glad to be here. You know, we're, we're talking about a tough topic, which is, you know, maybe not the best reason to be here, but happy to be here to talk about it anyway. Yeah, I mean, we didn't invent this topic. It's it's here for us. Um, and our senior reporter, AJ Perez. How's it going, AJ? Not bad. Thanks for having me back on. All right. So today we're talking about the World Cup and Qatar's hosting of it and FIFA's managing of it and everything that's come up around it. And there's so, so much to get into. I feel like this is not a happy place to start, but we would be really burying the lead to not start with uh, a Guardian report. And honestly, this has not been where a lot of the media coverage has been. This has mostly just been the Guardian um, has been on this. Uh, the Guardian reported that since the World Cup was awarded to Qatar in 2010, 6,500 migrant workers have died in the country. Now, these are not necessarily all connected to the World Cup, but a lot of them are. Um, the Guardian also said this is a likely an underestimate of that of, of those figures because they don't have figures from every country. They're not getting it from Qatar because Qatar is not saying a whole lot about this. Uh, AJ, help us out here. Wh what do we where do we even start with with news like this? First of all, it's how much they're getting paid. I mean, it wasn't until three years ago they passed a law to make a minimum wage, 125. This is one of the richest countries, if not the richest country in the world, when you look at the citizens and how much they make. 
the uh, the migrants are, are aren't citizens, and he gets they've they've been you know beyond the deaths, which was startling. Um, uh, Real Sports also a few years ago did 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 a report on kind of showing us all the living conditions uh, that these uh, that these migrants live in, and uh, and they talked a little bit about the deaths, not to this extent that the Guardian this is several years later. Um, so it's you know they're they're underpaid. They were you know there's no OSHA there. There's no you know they they were dying on the job. And, um, you know, they're pretty much just, and now they're getting thrown out of their homes. And it's not shocking, really. You said it's been 12, 12 years in the making. Um, and uh, yeah, I think in the, the sad thing is it takes, you know, independent journalists um, and, um, and um, you know, people who don't have deals with the World Cup or with FIFA to actually bring this stuff out there. Because we're not going to learn about it much from if you're only going to watch English language Fox Sports. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And um, just to iron that out a little bit, uh, Fox has said recently that so they're doing the U.S. broadcast for um, for the World Cup. They're not going to talk about this stuff. They're not going to talk about the controversies, in which we are, but uh, they're not unless it impacts the play of the field. But this stuff is, you know, it's over and done with uh, in terms of the construction. Um, Doug, how's this how's this hitting all you in terms of, you know, someone writing about this, thinking about this and, you know, as someone who's going to be maybe watching the World Cup? It, you know, it's, I think to award the World Cup uh, to this country in the first place, you know, was given given the human rights violations. I, I don't think this country was ready for it necessarily. Um, you know, to AJ's point, yeah, this is one of the richest countries in the world. And you, but the problem is there's there's such a wealth disparity. I, I believe not, it, it's you know, one of the richest countries in the world, but the wealth disparity is, I think, also one of the greatest in the world, like between, you know, there's there's effectively no middle class in that country. So that's going to inherently lead to a lot of human rights abuses. Um, I believe another problem with the migrant workers, and, and don't quote me on this, I'm not, I feel like this was just something I heard, but I believe a lot of these migrant workers were getting their passports confiscated, uh, things like that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, Again, it, we'll, we'll get we'll get into this a little bit further, but just knowing what we knew about Qatar when this was awarded, what, 8, 12 years ago or whatever it was, um, knowing what we knew about them back then, you know, they, this probably just shouldn't have even been a thing in the first place. And, you know, it's it's sadly unsurprising that a lot of these these migrant workers, you know, had to lose their lives in this construction process. Yeah. And, and let's get into. So, yeah, this is a. Uh... Qatar was awarded the World Cup in 2010, and at the time they had one stadium, one stadium that could accommodate a World World Cup games, and that had to undergo significant renovations. They have spent since built seven more. Can either of you like make a case for what FIFA might have been thinking uh, in this, you know, to, to do this, or or is this just pure corruption? Pure corruption. I mean, we saw we saw Seth Blatter get get you know what 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 happened to him that was a few years back and you know that was you know fifa fifa and the and ioc are kind of neck and neck when it comes to um you know that kind of corrupt conduct but fifa kind of takes took it over the top under the previous leadership and just just awarding a country where you have to move the game move the entire tournament back several months it's not a, you know just to just to accommodate the heat i mean that's one thing i mean that that was like oh what are they going to do we're going to there, there were there were it were mock-ups of floating like uh, balloons that are like, you know, just for shade. I mean, when it first came out, it was just amazing. And uh, it was all about the money and I was about the money kind of under the table mostly. Um, and, uh, but they didn't go back on it. They, they, after the whole bladder thing, they actually had a chance to actually swap, you know, take it from them, but they didn't. Um, so we're stuck with this. 
Yeah, I, uh, I I completely agree with AJ. This is this was all about corruption. It was all about money. I you know I do understand the perspective of wanting to I, I don't know wanting to spread the love I guess and like I understand this concept that you need to vary the type of countries that host it. Um, I'm completely sympathetic to all that and and maybe like I'm not saying that all like all Middle Eastern countries should be forbidden from hosting the World Cup. Obviously, getting around the heat is is a big issue that you would have to figure it out if you're going to host a World Cup in the Middle East. But Qatar, but Qatar was certainly not the right country uh, to host it. You know that they just used their money and their influence to get this, and you know it it was not super. I mean, it ended up being super obvious that that was the case because yeah, Sepp Blatter and that whole administration got ousted because of this because of effectively Qatar being awarded this World Cup. Um, and, and that had been an issue for a long time. Uh, you know, everybody knew that FIFA was super corrupt for a long time. And the this whole cutter thing just uh, exacerbated it. And I think also that, I mean, I think the U.S. probably led the charge on uh, ousting Blatter because they were in the running for the World Cup also. And they're going to have it next time around. But I, I yeah, I, I don't think that even if you wanted to make the argument that a Middle Eastern country should be hosting the World Cup... I don't think that Cutter was the right decision, and and the decision was all driven by you know lining the pockets of of Blatter and those other folks. And, and when it comes to the deaths, you know, usually after the World Cup, we see Brazil, the perfect example of having the white elephant stadiums there. So you're going to have basically all these people died, you know, in their either slave conditions or you know almost right above slave wages. Um, to build these stadiums where in you know, by what end of this year they'll be worthless i mean they're not going to be used so you're, they're going to be see these extra venues you know where they can afford to do whatever they want with them you know they can turn they could they could raise them and do whatever else but just just imagine that if you're one of the family members of a migrant worker who 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 died um or was seriously injured for a stadium that is going to be used for a few weeks and then it's going to go away i mean it's just it just, it's, there's so many, there's the, the optics have always been bad. I think, and it's going it, to, and it really sucks to say that, that Fox will not show that to us here in the United States. We're going to have to rely on these other journalists and be courageous. And that, and I'm actually um, looking forward to Telemundo's coverage at Comcast, uh, at Comcast company, NBC Universal, you know, they, they have the Spanish rights here. And I think they're going to do way more journalism and actual journalism, tons more because Fox won't touch it. Yeah. Yeah. And just uh, while we're talking about workers' rights, we should also mention the kafala system, which I've you know only learned about through uh, through reporting on on workers' rights issues here, uh, which is basically in Qatar, you under that system, you needed permission to change jobs, to leave your job. And so you're pretty much at the mercy of your employer. That system was suspended uh, for the World Cup. The reports I've seen say they they took it away for a couple months and then basically brought it back or created back doors where it's it's essentially the same thing um so so just one more one more reason why the this was a situation ripe for exploitation um when you have huge populations because this cutter you know it's it's a country of 3 million people they didn't have just enough of a a construction workforce to build seven large stadiums that are ready to host the biggest tournament in the world. 
so yeah, they, they brought in people from lots of different countries who, who don't have a lot of rights, who don't really understand their rights, are not getting a lot of money at all, uh, who often have to pay a lot of money to uh, to be recruited for these jobs and to travel. So yeah, it's really, really ripe for exploitation. And, you know, you can imagine a world maybe with a different kind of FIFA where they, FIFA understands all this and where they say, we're going to give you this, but you have to make these changes to your workers' rights. And to be fair, there have been some changes, but where they really go the extra mile in enforcing this stuff and, you know, trying to drive a higher minimum wage and um, protecting these workers in, in this extreme heat. So, yeah, it's it's just a, a really difficult situation. And FIFA could have taken that moment of Set Blatter being ousted to say, you know what, there's all kinds of bad stuff going on in here. We are going to, like, really look at everything that that administration was responsible for and and really evaluate. You know, maybe it was too late to take the World Cup away from Qatar. After, I mean, after all, they were spending billions building these stadiums already. But that could have been a moment where they turned around and said, all right, this is going to be a new day for FIFA. Uh, from what I can tell, they're basically just trying to pretend like nothing is happening here and, and everything's just great. And this is going to be the greatest World Cup in the history of World Cups. And you've seen that with the restrictions placed on journalists already. I mean, so, you know, and not just that, you know, the restrictions on, you know, everybody, you know, these people who are, who are going there. I mean, you have drinking restrictions. You know, you can't publicly drink in that country. That would create zones. Not in any of the stadiums, which is odd since Budweiser, I think, and and, and InBev has a deal with 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 FIFA, um, and there'll be I think there'll be signage. Um, so there, um, but so there's going to be some association there with uh, with a product where you can't even use in public there in yeah. in Qatar. So yeah, so we could obviously talk about the spend the entire episode on this, but there's a lot more to get to. Um, so another thing we should talk about is uh, the issues around accommodations. So as I said, Qatar is about 3 million people. They're expecting more than a million people to show up for this tournament. Um, Qatar doesn't have a million hotel rooms um, and they don't have a million uh, people who uh, are, you know, unoccupied dwellings that can um, host, you know, whatever Airbnb system they, they might have there. So um, yeah, yeah, Doug, if you could fill us in a little bit on, on anything you've seen on what's been going on as a result of having way too many people in this country that's just not built to accommodate them. You know, it was another one of those issues that they probably should have thought of uh, before they decided to take all that money and put the World Cup here. But, um, you know, it's it's a total cluster trying to fill all, figure out accommodations for all these people. Um, you know, there have been multiple cruise ships for example right that are being brought in to accommodate people you know kind of floating hotels if you will um and and re and, the, and the residents being kicked out of their homes it's just i mean it's it's unconscionable and i, I can't believe that again that the the, the I, I think part of the problem with cutter too is that it's such a small country right um it's a tiny tiny country and sure it's got plenty of money um but when you have a country that small, it, it, it you can't spread out the people as much, right? Like when you have when we have the World Cup um, in the United States and Canada and Mexico in four in four years, that's a humongous area. There's so many places that people could stay. There's I mean you're talking about almost an entire continent, um, and that really spreads the people out. Whereas Qatar is a very very small country, um, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think 
a lot of the matches themselves are in are all in Doha. And Doha's, you know, obviously the biggest city of note in Qatar. Um, but I want to say multiple state, like multiple, many of the stadiums, I think like almost half of them are in Doha. Um, and, and, you know, even if Doha was a pretty big city, like in it, that much of an influx of people, it's just not going to be sustainable. So, you know, they're having to take these extreme measures with the cruise ships and the, and relocating people. And that's, I mean, again, these are logistics that they all, they probably should have thought of when they first were getting started. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is a more obvious one and like even I cut her super rich. They, if they say, you know, sure, we can build seven stadiums in 10 years. That's no problem. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there might be issues that come up as the, as these, as we've dealt with, but I believe that part, but yeah, where are you going to fit a, an additional like 25%, you know, in, increase in the country? Um, that part seems crazy. And yeah, we should get into the coming world cup in the U S and Mexico and Canada in four years, which just seems like a, a much more sane way to do it. I mean, I think it's crazy to have a World Cup even just in one city or like in one little cluster of cities just because you have so many people. You have so much activity. It's too much for, for one city to handle. Um, and I think the Olympics ought to take a, a you know, a page from that as well. Um, but yeah, over like 16, you know, re- I think it's 16 or 15 reasonably um, well-off cities with plenty of accommodations to go around. That feels like you can have that. It'll be, you know, a, a boon to those places, but it's not going to be completely overwhelming. Whereas I don't see a scenario where this wouldn't be completely overwhelming. And, and clearly it is. And to just hammer out something you alluded to, Doug, uh, yeah, people are, there's been reports that people are getting kicked out of their apartments and put up in hotels for at least part of it, but like not being treated especially well so that their landlords can get about a year's worth of rent in two weeks at the World Cup. Um, all right, AJ, what, have anything to add on this? Where, where should we go next? <laughs> I so said we go. I mean, I mean, there, uh, I mean, the, the, uh, the LGBTQ issue is, yeah. uh, it's, and I, you know, there's, uh, the, the team USA is going to be there. You know, obviously we have in, here, here, here in the US, uh, MLS and W, the WNSL, W, yeah, yeah, WWNSL. Yeah. Yeah. I am dyslexic. So, yeah. Um, I had to think about that one. They've been on the forefront for these issues here in the United States. I know other league, WNBA, and others have also. But you know, they're actually going to, you know, Team USA is going to kind of, kind of, kind of flaunt it a little bit. You know, they're, you know, the official team parties the day before the games are actually going to fly the rainbow flag. I think that's going to be, you know, that's going to be fun to see how that, how, how the government responds to it. I don't think there's, I don't think there's going to be any pushback. There's, you know, this is something not only the United States care about, but the European teams. And others, uh, you know, are going to take this issue and they're going to, you know, they're going to, you know, not, I don't, not, I don't expect on the pitch to anything, anything, uh, you know, major, but I think, uh, I think that's, uh, I think that's a, that, that's a positive step because it's not, you know, you know, you're, you're right. You said earlier, you know, it's, it, it is a crime there to be gay um, and to show public affection and they don't like public affection for anything. They, even, even, even for straight couples, they don't, they don't, they're not a fan of it, uh, but it's going to be, but when it comes to, um, you know, the the you know the gay people the, the lesbians and you know, everybody else traveling there um who are who aren't straight you know they're going to be almost targets and uh they're going to be you know just imagine going to a country where you're kind of not wanted but you want to watch your team play you want to watch your country play it just it just it's just bad overall you know um just awful all around that this is allowed to happen and and what i'll add to that is that the thing that's so tricky, especially when it comes to social issues like this with LGBTQ plus um, and, and all that, is that um, 
it, it's uh, one of the articles that FOS wrote from our colleague uh, Abigail was that you know uh, there are LGBT groups that are um, that are calling for boycotts of the World Cup, telling people not to watch. It, it's it, the problem is the World Cup is just such an ubiquitous event, and it's such a you know it's it's always looked forward to. It's the biggest sporting event in the world. It's going to be really difficult to get people to not watch. So I think you know as EJ was as EJ was kind of alluding to. Um, maybe the best route is just for teams to really, really take a stand on LGBT and, and, and on all these other issues too. You know, um, I believe Denmark is doing those, the, the globalist jerseys with the black, um, to, to, to stand up for the migrant workers. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the U S team does, um, as it pertains to LGBT issues. Um, but I think that, uh, I think taking the stand and, and actually using that platform, to actually stand up for that message might actually end up being more effective than well maybe not more effective but cuz i then then trying to boycott you know the world cup yeah, yeah I think, and, uh, go ahead oh sorry uh, basically i mean, especially when you're talking about the us men's soccer team you know the women have had a fight for years and had had a file lawsuits had a file um had a file uh with the eoc to for for equal pay i mean so this is something that you know that that the women have fought for, and now I think it's up to the men now to show to to show up and show their support, uh, you know, for for you know for this issue uh, for the issue for um, you know gay lesbian straight uh, gay lesbian issues and um, it's gonna they're gonna have to step up. I think they're gonna have to do something. Um, and they I, I would love to them to talk about it, even going on the mix zone after the games to to be more be be they're not gonna if Fox doesn't bring it up, you bring it up. You start talking about it. If you're on live TV, you start talking about it. You start talking about the living conditions. You start talking about the uh, the you know the issues that we've been talking about on, on on this podcast. Take the mic and force Fox to cover it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Doug, you brought up something that I've been kind of wrestling with just in the lead up to this, which is like, what do you do as a fan who like the World Cup? It's not. It happens once every four years. It's a special event. There's nothing really like it in sports, and you want to just be able to enjoy it. Like it gets a time when I see a lot of people who aren't big sports fans get excited about it. People who aren't big soccer fans get excited about it. And it's just a unique thing. And yeah, you want to just be able to take it in as a fan. Uh, But, and, and also like if I boycott the world cup by not watching it, FIFA is never going to know that. I mean, I could, you know, post about it on Twitter or something, but like, it's not going to make a dent, but also I, I I don't know if there's like a good way to handle this as a fan other than to, I guess, complain to FIFA or I don't know, talk to your locals, like sports league. I, I don't really, I, I don't know. Like, should we be like contacting the MLS? Should we be, I, I'm kind of at a loss in terms of like how best to handle this. Um, as someone who wants to enjoy the World Cup, but I don't know how easy that's going to be. Yeah, I don't think there's a good answer necessarily for that. Um, you know, at, you know, like you said, it's the the World Cup is so huge, and I think it's such a unique event. Like even more so than the World Cup or than the Olympics. Um, I think the World Cup is really just such a a beautiful event of like inner uh or you know inter like competition between international federations right um you know the olympics are a little bit different because there's so many different events and certain countries excel at certain things but this is one sport 
with the best players and it's just straight up who can win this and it's every four years. Um, so the World Cup has this like weird ability to like bring people together, right? And so that's kind of why this whole thing is so disconcerting that we're, we having, we're having to talk about all this stuff, like the endless list of issues that we're talking about. Like we're talking about all these topics and we're not even going to touch on some of the ones that uh, that are problems there. And it just, it sucks that we, that this event has kind of transformed, you know, whether by corruption, by money, by whatever you want to call it, um, it's been transformed into this controversial event and, and that sucks. Uh, so I think the best thing you can do at this point, um, because like you said, I don't think boycotting it's really going to do anything. I don't see a big enough movement happening, uh, to get enough people to boycott it. So I think the best thing you can do is just be vocal. Like AJ was saying, um, be vocal about everything that Cutter is doing wrong um, and and try to at least bring awareness to these issues, uh, LGBT issues, um, you know, migrant issues, immigration issues, stuff like that. Um, you know, this is a good time to do it because you have everybody's attention because they're all watching the World Cup. Yeah, yeah and, and I think, you know, I don't think the positives here are, are going to like outweigh everything we talked about but this is one of those moments where you know maybe worker conditions in Qatar and maybe other places can be improved on a long-term basis through this hopefully I I, I don't know I mean the, no one really knows um, you know maybe th there can be uh, something that comes out of how, how this is such a disaster for FIFA and it's not just us talking about it I think a, a lot of um, soccer clubs and national teams are I think separating from FIFA on this in a way that I haven't seen, uh, you know, and I've been more of a casual observer more than anything else of this stuff in the past, but this feels like the, the global soccer community is, um, well, it, it's, it's disconnected from its governing body, but maybe united in being disconnected in a way that, I don't know, hopefully can bring about change. So yeah, maybe we can uh, shift to that and end on a maybe more positive note. What do you guys want to see come out of this, if anything? If there's anything with, like concrete we can hope for going forward for FIFA and for future World Cups? AJ, why don't you, you kick that I know. There's a, there's a report that so they want to do this every two years, which I thought is, God. It's, so, yeah, that's, that, that's going to fix things. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just giving not, you know, you have to go back to all, you know, when, when, when they got this, you know, uh, over, over a decade ago, when, when they got awarded this. That's where it started. should never have happened. Um, and I really wish Team USA failed to qualify for this one instead of 2018. Because I, I just, it's not, I don't, because we're going to get an infomercial, you know, Qatar Airways is, uh, is, is giving Fox millions of dollars to, to basically not talk about this. And uh, we have the wrong media organization there, you know, because they, 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 I, I work for Fox. We, you know, we had journalists at the time, good journalists, and they have good there. They have Tom Rinaldi. And they got others that who could tackle this that are, that are pretty they're going to be hamstrung and i i just think that's also a you know they they you know if espn had this still you know i wouldn't be i would not you know i'd, I'd feel much more comfortable uh, of about how this was covered um but i think uh it's it's you know i think people should start you know reading more reading 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 us reading other outlets are going to be covering it the guardian had that great story about the migrant deaths there's there's going to be stories out there and I think people need to kind of delve into those. And, you know, we don't, it's not going to, it's not going to ruin the games, you know, for those people, it's not going to, you know, pe people are going to watch their country play and they're going to cheer for their country. I'm cheering for Mexico since, yeah, 
um, soccer matters there. Um, so, um, but, uh, but it's, it's going to be, you know, that's, you know, people are, are still going to care about the games and people, you know, they have, people can, can multitask. They can, they can read about the atrocities and all the other, you know, the crap that's been going, it's, that has gone down there and will go down during the tournament. And they can also, you know, watch the games and appreciate the games. It's not one or the other. I, I think that's unfortunately the biggest thing you could probably take away from this is just that, no matter where this competition's going down, um, and no matter all of the context that's happening around it, you know there are going to be soccer games that are going to be played. There, there are going to be matches there, and um, you know for sports fans, that's great. And like I said, there's there's nothing quite like the World Cup. It's it's truly it gets you know we've talked about how it gets casual fans engaged. It gets everybody engaged, and so it creates this huge stage. Um, and and frankly, soccer's in a really cool place right now. Just from a competition standpoint, um, from the from an American perspective, the sport is, you know, fr- well, sorry, from an American male perspective, from American female perspective, it's been elevated for a very long time. But for um, from the men from the men's perspective, this is one of the best teams they've ever had. I'm not very hopeful because they looked really bad going into the uh, coming in the lead up to the World Cup. But it's a really interesting momentum builder f- for soccer in the United States. Um, in the lead up to the U.S. and Canada and Mexico hosting it uh, in four years, and so um, you know, it's I, I think if there's anything that's positive that's going to come out of this, it's that hopefully there will be a lot of eyeballs and, like AJ said, and maybe we shouldn't count on it um, given the media coverage, but hopefully there will be some kind of you know big mass messaging that's actually going to come out um, that tackles a lot of these issues um, and gets people to kind of pay attention. And frankly, I'd say the biggest thing, I'm just really excited for this to get underway and not from like a positive excited, I'm like a negatively excited for this to get all underway because for as bad as everything has been in the lead up, I I just can't even imagine how bad it's going to be once it actually starts. Um, Because we've seen it in the past, you know, when people get into the Olympic Village and they see like the beds that don't work or like the food that's terrible. I can't even imagine what's going to happen on the ground once once the players are actually there. So it's going to be really, really fascinating, you know, whether for good or for better or worse. I'm, just, I'm not covering it. So I'm just still going to have to be there. So I'd be probably be I'd probably be locked up within a few days. Um, So <laughs> yeah, I think that's all, I'll, 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 I'll just leave it there. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, when, when I've like read about like, yeah, the attempts at accommodating this many people in a country of that size, honestly, the first words that came into my head were fire festival. Like this could be like just just a, a disaster of, of um, pretty serious proportions. Because, um, yeah, it's just like people are like setting up camps in the desert. People are, yeah, kicking people out of their homes, like filling up the hotels. Some people are just staying in Saudi Arabia and flying back and forth every day. People are staying in cruise ships. Um, and it, it, it just doesn't seem like it's going to be enough. I mean, they're, they're pulling out every, every rabbit out of every hat that they can. And the, the, they're still trying to accommodate a million people in a country of three million. It's, it's just very hard to make that math work. Um, but yeah, just to, to jump back to the U.S. for a sec. Um, this is a, uh, this World Cup, there are a lot of stakes here for the U.S. Just because um, soccer is clearly on the rise here in this country. We're getting the World Cup, the next one, in four years, in 2026. And 
so many people are buying into soccer as a media property, as, you know, as team owners, as, you know, just as fans, as enthusiasts, uh, with the expectation that things are really going to take off over the next few years leading up and into the World Cup in 2026. And so if the U.S. can make, you know, let's say they can get to the the round of eight or something, enough to, like, make some noise in this country, get people excited again. Because when the U.S. does make a run in the World Cup, even to, like, not like a true run, not like they could actually win but enough to get people you know really excited about the elimination games up to the elimination games people notice people love it people like really want to buy in um so it's it's going to be weird this is not ever going to feel like a normal world cup i don't think but this could be a moment for u.s soccer to to take that next step yeah i what i've what i've always said from a if you want to just talk about from a purely soccer perspective uh from the sport perspective this this world cup given the united states men, the men's team's talent um i think this world cup i just want them to do well in the group stage you know they've got a decent group not a not a great not a terribly hard but they do have england in their group which is going to be really interesting so have a good showing in the group stage get out of the group stage you know show that them not making the world cup 4 years ago um, was just a fluke, make a little bit of noise, whatever. And then when the World Cup is here in four years and some of the talent that they have is matured, you know, people forget Christian Pulisic is still really young. Um, he's only 23, 24 years old. Uh, this kid, Gio Reyna, who's night, who's 20 years old, he is incredible. Um, he's going to be 24 uh, at the next World Cup. Um, that That is a team, I'm not going to say that they could make, they could win the World Cup, but that's a team that could really, really make a run in four years, especially with the home field advantage. Um, so I think that this one, you know, they're just going to have to do what they can. Um, and and I think that the excitement back home, regardless of how they do, especially, I mean, this is a big thing we haven't really talked about. But the meet, from a media perspective, this is going on during the holiday season and during football season, which never happens. And so it just creates this really crazy sports media environment. Um, you know, I've been seeing these uh, these commercials with John Hamm as Santa Claus, for example. Um, so I think it's really going to get people taking soccer even more seriously in the U.S. Um, and then, you know, in four years when it's here, that's going to be that's going to be really, really cool and really, really interesting. Yeah, the U.S. has never been able to build momentum off these. It's like 94 when I was a kid. I was watching these games from Yosemite on vacation with my parents and my uh, my, uh, uh, my family. Um, and, you know, we were actually – I actually made an effort, my cousins and I, to watch soccer. And I don't think I've watched much soccer since. It was like it was like a big thing. It was they, uh, you know, Lawless and Winalda. And, and just, it, they, the U.S. has never built off their success when they've had success, when they've made runs that were, you know, notable. Uh, so I, I would like to see, as Doug said, I, I would like to see some momentum coming into when uh, North America hosts uh, in four more years. Yeah. Yeah. Let's leave it there because um, I think this is the biggest story in sports right now and it hasn't even started yet. So I'm really glad to have you guys here to help unpack this. Oh, yeah. Like Doug said, we didn't even get into everything that we could have gotten into, but uh, I, I think we hit the big issues and I, I think it's an important topic that we got to just like keep our eyes on and yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how this all shakes out. And is it going to go smoothly? Are we going to say like, okay, it was a disaster leading up to it, but at least they pulled it off? Or are they not going to pull it off in some big significant way? Because that is very much on the table here. 
So we'll be watching. Uh, thank you guys. Awesome. Thanks, Owen. Thank you so much for listening to the newsroom. Please rate us and review us on the podcast platform of your choice. Uh, also, check out our other podcasts. We got a, a nice little stable right now. We've got the Lead Off, which is a daily podcast with just the a summary of the biggest sports business stories of the day, and My Other Passion, where our editor in chief Ernest Baker talks to big figures in the sports world about stuff you know about them and stuff that they're less famous for. Their other passions. Uh, so, and at the newsroom, we're going to come at you every single week with the biggest topics in the sports business world, breaking them down with our team of writers and editors. And there's going to be heavy ones like the like we had this week, and there's going to be ones that are more fun, like some of the ones we've had already, and hopefully ones we'll get to soon. So we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening.